Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilling. Well, today is, is part two of this series called Seek. It's also the second Sunday of Lent. And this is where we spend the 40 days leading up to Easter to fast and to pray and to seek God. And the number 40, it pops up quite a few times in Scripture. Actually, we see the number 40 159 times all throughout the Scriptures. And some of the better known times that we see it is, is there in Genesis, in 40 days for 40 nights, it rained and it flooded the earth during Noah's time. For 40 days, Goliath taunted the army of Israel before David showed up on the scene and, and settled the score and uh, took him down and beheaded him. I always like that part. They don't tell that part like when you're a kid in Sunday school that David beheaded Goliath. But when you read the Bible, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then anyway, takes his head into, into Jerusalem. That's some hardcore stuff. The Bible's, Bible's R-rated. <laughs> And then another time we see 40 is we see Jesus taking time to fast and pray in the wilderness for 40 days. And then before Jesus did it, Elijah fasted and prayed for 40 days. And then before Elijah did it, Moses fasted and prayed for 40 days. And that's kind of what we talked about for a good portion of our time last week. We talked about that 40-day season where, where Moses was seeking God at the top of Mount Sinai. He's fasting and praying. And Mo- Moses has this incredible experience and this incredible history in the presence of God, supernatural experience after supernatural experience. And God tells Moses, Moses, it's now time to move. It's time to go. And Moses responds, God, if you're not in it, then I don't want it. God, I'd rather stay in the wilderness with your presence than go into the promised land without it. So God, he, he says all this, and he says, God, show me your glory. That's what I desire above anything else, God. I'm, I, I'm not in this relationship with you, God, just so that I can get the good life, just so that I can just be comfortable in my life. God, I just want to know you. I just want to be close to you. God, I just want to just watch you do what you do. God, show me your glory. That's all I want. That was Moses' prayer. And that ought to be our prayer too. That's the prayer that I want for my life. God, I don't want to do this life in my own strength, in my own power, according to my own skills, according to my own knowledge, according to my own resources. God, I want to do this. I don't want to do any of this if you're not in it. God, if you're not in it, I don't want it. And that's what I want for this church as well. I don't want this church to be built on just marketing and production. I don't want a church that's just built on uh, enticing attractions or just well-developed systems. And all that stuff is fine and well if, if it's Holy Spirit-inspired. All those things are great if the Holy Spirit breathes on it, but that's the point. The Holy Spirit has to be breathing on those things. That's the kind of church that I want. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, there was this national... Christian magazine invited this pastor from Africa. He was a well-known bishop from Africa. Invited him over to tour some of the most well-known churches here in America, in the U.S. And the thing about this this African pastor, he was leading 
one of the largest churches himself, like one of the largest churches in the world he was the leader of. And so this is the kind of church where, you know, they'd have Friday night prayer meetings and people would walk 20 to 30 miles to get to the prayer meeting and they would just pray all night long. And so there's this desperation in this church in Africa and God's doing some amazing things. And so he's got some notoriety around the world. Some eyes are on him and his church. And so this this national Christian magazine reaches out to him and say, Pastor, you come to America. We will will sponsor your trip. We'll pay for your trip. We'll pay pay for your expenses. Would you come? And then come and observe the American church for us. And so he, he comes, he takes a tour of the most well-known churches here in the States. And at the end of his tour, he sits down with the magazine editor. An editor is going to do this interview with him. And he's asking him, so what's the most surprising thing about the American church? What's the thing that surprised you the most about, about your tour? What were your observations? And the editor, maybe he's thinking, I don't know, like, what's he going to say? Is he going to talk about, like, the architecture and the beauty of the buildings? Is he going to talk about the dynamic music? Is he going to talk about like, oh man, the, just the, the efficient, you know, uh, the, the structures and the organizational structures of the churches? What's he going to say? And this, this pastor says, the thing that surprised me the most is what you can do, how much you can do without the Holy Spirit. The thing that surprised me the most is what you can do without the Holy Spirit. He says, in Africa, we don't have all the resources that you guys have. But what we do have is the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. Man, my prayer for this church, for our church, is God, if you're not in it, then we don't want it. God, we're going to seek after, we're going to follow your presence just like the Hebrew people followed the cloud by day and the fire by night. We want a presence-driven church more than anything else, God. We want to seek you. And I know that sounds really good to everybody. I know that sounds like that's right, yes, that's what we desire. And, And I'm sure that if I were to come around and and interview and ask every single one of you here that are believers... Like, do you believe this? Do you believe that your entire life should be driven, the the passion of your life should be driven by seeking God? I'm sure that every single one of you would probably agree with that and say, yeah, I I agree. But I think if we were to take an honest assessment of ourselves and of our lives, there would probably be a disconnect somewhere between what we say we believe and what we actually live out in everyday lives. And so the question is, why is that? Why do we, we, we know it's right. We know that seeking God and, and desiring God ought to be the driving passion in our life. We understand that. We know it's true. We know it's right. But then it's not lived out in our everyday life. Why is that? Why is there this disconnect? And I, I think one of the reasons we have this disconnect with seeking God It has to do with our view of God. You've heard me quote this quote a million times. But Tozer said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. In other words, the way that we view God is going to have a direct effect on the way we seek God. 
So if you can see God rightly, it's going to cause you to seek him more earnestly. So what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to give you some ideas on how to see God rightly, which will in turn affect how earnestly you seek him. The first idea is this. God actually wants to draw near to you. God wants to draw near to you. That's his desire. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God draws near. He desires to come close. That's what he wants. Sometimes we have this false view of God. We think of God and we think of him like far off in the distance, kind of unengaged. But that's not the picture that the scriptures paint of his character and nature. God wants to draw near. He desires to come close. So if that's true, if God really does want to draw near, and it's in direct response to me drawing near, that's what James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So it's not like God is like some far off place. He's just waiting for you to turn your face to him and come close and boom, he's right there. So if that's the case, if I want to draw near to God, then what are some things I need to do? What are some practical things I can do? Well, I can actually carve out time to spend with God. I can make it important and schedule it as an important thing on my calendar as much as I would be if I was having a business lunch. I can fast something. I can forego something. I can turn down the volume of something that I normally crave so I can turn up the volume of some new cravings, some spiritual cravings. He said, God, I'm here. I'm pressing into your presence. God, show me your glory. God, I desire you more than anything else in the world. God, I love your presence. God, if you're not in it, I don't want it. God, I'd rather stay in the wilderness with your presence than go into the promised land where all the circumstances are perfect, but your presence is not there. God, I'm here. I'm seeking you. I want to encourage you, fast something that actually creates more time in your schedule to seek God. We were going around the table a couple of weeks ago at our house and talking about what each of us were going to fast during this Lenten period. And one of my kids said, well, this is what I'm going to fast. And I said, hey, that sounds great. That's awesome. And it, was a, it, was a, it was a food item. And I said, so, but the question is, how are you, how's it, are you fasting this? How's this going to correlate into you seeking God? And it, it kind of stumped the, that, that child for a second. And I said, here's this. Every time you desire, every single time you desire to have this thing, every time you think about it and you're going, I'm intentionally fasting this thing, you take that as an opportunity to say, Holy Spirit, I'm drawing near to you. I'm coming close to you. Is there something that you want to say to me right now? You don't just fast for the sake of fasting. You fast so you can seek the face of God. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not already engaged in this, hop in with us. we got five more weeks of this to go. Five more weeks of this corporate fast. Our church is doing it. The greater church around the world is doing it. We're fasting corporately. saying Not just like so we can get healthier, so we can have a cleanse. 
so that we can seek God. God desires to draw near. Another idea about seeing God rightly is this. God is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely or we could say diligently seek him. Sincerely and diligently seek him. Those who sincerely and diligently seek him, God has a reward for you. God, here's the deal. I draw near, God draws near. I seek God, he rewards. If we can get these truths to integrate into the way that we do our everyday life, in the way that we see God, in the way that we seek God, it's going to accelerate our desire to seek him. If we see God, oh, he actually wants to draw near. Oh, there's an actual reward that comes with me seeking him. Do you see what that does for your desire? Oh, wow, I think I want to do this. Matthew 25, Jesus tells this, this parable of three servants. The master comes to these servants, and, and to the first servant, he gives five bags of silver. To the second servant, he gives two bags of silver. And to the third servant, he gives one bag of silver. And the master goes away for a period of time, for a number of years, and then he comes back to check and see how things are going. And so he comes to the servants, and the first servant says, uh, Master, I've, I've doubled what you've given me. You gave me five bags of silver, and now I've got ten. And the master goes, hey, awesome, great job, Here, you're rewarded. Because he had been faithful and doubled what God had given him, given him what the master had given him. Second servant, he gets a reward because he had been faithful, and he had doubled what the master had given him. Then the master comes to the third servant, and the third servant says this, Matthew 25, verse 24. The servant said this to the master. He said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Or you, we could even say, another translation says, a hard man. So, master, I knew you were harsh. I knew you were hard. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I buried it. I hid it in the earth. Look, here it is. I, I dug it up. Here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. Question, what was it that caused this servant to bury what the master had given him to invest? His view of his master. He, his view of his master was that he was harsh, that he was hard. And if your view of God is that he is harsh, that he is hard, more than likely, it will lead you to be spiritually lazy. But if you see God as a rewarder, if you see God as the, the Father who rewards those who diligently and sincerely seek... If you see God that's wanting to bless you with every spiritual blessing, if you see God as the Father who gives good gifts to His children, if you see God as wanting to draw near, it's going to motivate you to seek Him in a greater way, in an intensified way. So now the question is this. 
What are you seeking? What kind of reward are you seeking? What kind of reward are you in this for? If you're in this for material rewards, things that you can experience just with your five senses, then that's really not going to motivate you for very long to seek God in the long term. I mean, just look at Madonna's life, right? She was the material girl, right? Here's the thing about materials. Materials rust. They wear out. They don't last. Material rewards do not appreciate into eternity. And so... So material rewards aren't enough to truly satisfy you. They're not enough to keep you in that mode of seeking. So what kind of reward are you looking for? Genesis 15.1, God comes to Abram. This is, the same, this is Abraham, the same guy, but his name had not been changed yet. God comes to Abram, and he says, I am your shield, Abram. I am your very great reward. God himself is the reward. God's saying, Abram, nothing needs to be added to me. I am enough reward for you seeking. And all throughout the scriptures, every time that we read about reward, it's always attached to relationship. If your primary desire is, well, I just need more materials. I just want the stuff then you're probably going to end up disappointed. But if what you want more than anything is, God, I just want you. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to be around you. I just want to watch you do what you do. Then you cannot be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. We live in a culture that says, hey, you want to make something out of yourself? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go make something of yourself. But Jesus offers us a different way. The world says, you want a reward? This is what you got to do. Jesus offers a different way. Jesus says, you want to really fulfill God's full potential in your life? You want reward? Then just seek me. Seek me. I am your very great reward. I am your shield. I'm your exceedingly great reward. Draw near to me, Jesus says. Ascend the mountain of God. I'm a rewarder of those who sincerely and diligently seek me. I'm enough. God is a rewarder. God wants to draw near. God is a rewarder. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. To help us see God rightly. God actually delights in being found. God delights in being found. All throughout the scriptures, we see this idea of seeking God. I'm going to come at you real quick with these scriptures. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him. If you search for him with all your heart and all your soul. First Chronicles chapter 16 verse 11 says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. When? Continually. Second Chronicles 7 14. This is a famous one. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal 
their land. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask from the Lord. If there's one thing, if that's all I get, if, the, if, if I rub the little genie lamp and the genie comes out and says, you have one wish, I'm not saying God's a genie, but I'm saying if, I, if in all the things in all of the world I could only ask one thing, this is what David said. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Is David saying, I just want to spend all my time at church 24-7? No, he's talking about being in the presence of God. He says, I want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Psalm 63, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Not half-heartedly. Not just on the weekends, but earnestly. All the time I'm seeking you. God, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And if there's not any description that describes that culture, our culture today, I don't know what is. I believe, I mean, our culture today is dry. It's parched land where there is no water. But guess what? God can quench your thirst. But he's only going to quench your thirst if that's what you're hungering and thirsting after. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God's saying, hey, seek me. There's a reward. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to you. You'll seek me and find me. You seek me with all your heart. If you do that, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Of course, a lot of us know this one. Jesus said this, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things that will be given to you as well. Listen, I, there's just seven passages I just threw at you just now, but all throughout the scriptures, we see this the, the, this story developing, the, the, this narrative of seeking God. Cover to cover, we see that God delights in being found. Jamie mentioned this this passage just a moment ago in the book of John, John chapter 4. Jesus meets this Samaritan woman at the well. And he says to her, God actually seeks those who are seeking him. God seeks those who are seeking him. He wants to be found. He delights in being found. We all grew up playing hide and seek, right? You know what that is, that game? You ever heard of that? Yeah. If you did not grow up playing hide and seek, I feel sorry for you. Because it is a fun game. It's so much fun. And we played all the time as kids. And uh, it's one of the greatest like pastimes of childhood. And I would always love when my dad would play with us. You know, he, he didn't play with us all the time, but when he did play with us, I, oh, it was so much fun. I mean, I, I could always play with my sisters, or my sister, excuse me, and my cousins. And, and that would be fun for a little while, but it would get old after a while because it was just too easy and too predictable, right? But when dad played with us, it was next level. And, and our, sometimes we would play outside, and, at, and at, at night, at dark. And I remember this one particular time, I'm it. So I'm the seeker. And I'm going out, and I've, I've found everybody else. I've tagged everybody else. 
there's still one more person out there hiding, and it's my dad. And I've looked everywhere. I mean, we, we had like a boundary, right? Okay, we couldn't leave the property. So I knew that my dad didn't like make the block and was coming around somewhere weird. So I, I, there were rules of engagement. And, and I walked around the property numerous times, and I couldn't find him. And came back to base, and he wasn't there. So he hadn't like left his hiding spot. He's still out there. I look behind all the bushes, can't find him. I go over and I look in the ditch out by the road because, you know, the ditch went down and he could have been laying there in the dark and you'd never see him. He wasn't there. I went and went and looked in the tree line and he wasn't there. And there was only one place that I couldn't look. There was this the sycamore tree that was growing right outside our back door, this big, huge sycamore tree. It's not there anymore. They'd cut it down. But the very lowest branch on this tree was just enough out of my reach that I couldn't get up in the tree and climb up there to look for him there. But I knew I had looked everywhere else. So you know what I did? I just stood at the base of that tree and I started talking to that tree like I knew my dad was there. And I said, Dad, I know you're up there. You can come down. I found you. And nothing happened. And so I said it again, Dad, I know you're up there. I found you. You can come down now. And then nothing happened. And this went on, and this went on, and this went on. And finally, Dad, I know you're up there. You can come down. I found you. And then about that time, the leaves on the tree started to rustle. The branches started to sway. And my dad jumps down out of the tree. And I run over there and I tag him. And he gives me a great big hug. And the both of us just start laughing and laughing and laughing because it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And, and, and here's the reality. Your heavenly father wants you to find him. He's not hiding so that you quit and give up and go inside and stop playing. He's hiding so that he will be found, so that you will find him. That's the way that he's hiding. He wants to be found, but you've got to seek. And let me tell you, the payoff in finding my dad is so, was so much worth it. It was so much worth just standing at the base of that tree. I knew he couldn't be anywhere else. And you know what? Seeking God, the payoff is worth it. And I'm not telling you, oh, this is, this is the way to get rich quick. This is the way to, you know, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching like, well, man, you just give, you give your money to the church and seek God and then God's going to pour out abundant blessings on you. God's already poured out abundant blessings on you because of Jesus. But there is a reward when we seek him. And what is the reward? He is the reward. He is an exceedingly great reward. He is a very great reward. So let's do this. Let's continue to press in into the, in the, these last five weeks of this season of Lent. And let's fast and let's pray and let's seek the face of God and say, God, if you're not in it, I don't want it. God, I want to seek you more than anything else in my life, above anything else in my life. God, you're first place. God, I want, God, you are the one that wants to draw near, but you're waiting on me to draw near. So God, I'm carving out time in my schedule. I'm fasting something. I'm foregoing something to turn down the volume of my physical cravings and turn up the volume of my spiritual cravings. God, God, I I see that you're a rewarder. God, I see that you delight in being found. So I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you.
just stand to your feet right now. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to press in for a few more minutes. And I just want to encourage you. You know, next week, we have a guest in the house. Barnabas from Africa is going to be here. And and, and this this guy, I'm so, so thrilled to be connected to this guy. Because the Lord is doing some incredible things in his life and through his life and through his ministry in Africa. And I want to come next week, all of us come next week with faith for miracles. But you know what? We don't have to wait for the man of God to be here. Because you know why? Because the Spirit of God is here now. And we can have faith for miracles now. We just got to seek. We've just got to go after it. We've just got to believe. We've just got to have faith. Jeff and I were talking this morning. We were talking about something. And we were talking about that, that passage where the, the woman with the issue of blood reaches out and touches the very bottom of Je- the hem of Jesus' garment. She presses into the crowd. She seeks him through the crowd. She makes her way. She's in a place where she, she's not supposed to be. And she touches just the hem of Jesus' robe. And Jesus feels healing virtue flow out of him into her and he stops the whole procession he stops the whole crowd and he said who touched me and the disciples are like what do you mean who touched you god there's people pressing around all over the place around you people are bumping into all of us what do you mean who touched you no 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 jesus said no i felt virtue leave me i felt healing power leave me because someone was seeking and and then the woman spoke up and said lord it was me and he says woman your faith has made you whole Because you sought after, because you were seeking, there's a reward. So now we have a choice. God's like, here it is. It's all right here. Come and get it. Seek after it. God's not like the the, the waiter at Chili's. (laughs) He's going to bring you your, your chicken fajitas. He's got the chicken fajitas made. You just got to get up and go get them. He wants you to seek. He wants you to come get them. Sorry if that analogy just offended anybody. I guess we all know where I'm going for lunch, but let's seek after God. Let's tell him we love his presence. And if you need a miracle, if you need prayer for anything today, get up out of your seat and go down and pray with somebody or just grab somebody that you're standing next to and say, would you pray with me about this? Would you seek God with me about this? Can we do that? Let's not build this church on just marketing and production and cool systems and enticing attractions, but let's build this church on the presence of God. Amen. Yeah, let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. We set our face to seek you, God. God, we, we are intentionally fasting some things, God. So we are reminded to seek you, to press into you, to say, God, show me your glory. God, help us. Those of us, God, that we're having a struggle, we're having an issue with seeing you rightly. God, help us see you in the right way. Holy Spirit, come in and demolish any wrong thinking that we have about the Father. Destroy it, God, and replace it with your truth about who you really are. We're going to seek you. 
Lord, I just pray right now for all of my church family here, God, for whatever is going on in their life. Lord, I pray that they would see some reward for seeking you. That whatever it is they're going through their life, God, that it would not be a roadblock for them. That they would press beyond circumstances. They would press beyond the crowd. They would reach out to touch the hem of your garment. God, we thank you that you have reward waiting for us. And Jesus, we declare you are enough reward. I just want to invite you, if you're here today and you're far from God, you're not a Christ follower, or maybe you used to be, but you're not following him right now, I want to give the opportunity right now to just say, I, I, God, I'm coming back to you. God, I'm seeking you. And if that's what you want to do right now, I'll just invite you to pray with me right now. God, I've been doing life my own way, and I'm tired of that. I've been seeking after what I want. But God, I'm tired of that and I want to start seeking after what you want for my life. So God, I bring my life and I just lay it before you. Say, God, you have your way in me. Have your way through me. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be in charge of my life. Be the boss of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I want you to come and make your home in me. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. Change me from the inside out. And God, make a difference with my life. In the name of Jesus. If you prayed that prayer today, welcome to the family of God. And that's just the first step of many steps of following Jesus wholeheartedly. Welcome to the family of God. Nothing else that you've got to do to be part of the family. You're part of the family now. Now you, you learn what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, to be, to be just like Jesus. And you know what? We're not perfect, but we're on our way. And we say, hey, come and join and link arms with us as we follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.